Hail and well met, everyone. Welcome to Geek Thyself, a podcast by a nerd for other nerds that love geeking out over random facts and esoteric trivia. My name is Heather, and I'll be your host as we journey into the wondrous land of information. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Geek Thyself. As you could probably tell from the title of the episode, I'm going to be talking about Discworld, which is a book series by the late Sir Terry Pratchett. The book series is so prolific and published in so many different languages. I think it's about 37 different languages around the world. I mean, these books have been around for a really long time. The first one was published in 1983. The last one was published in 2015 actually about five months after Terry Pratchett had passed away. Uh, It was published, already written, and then published after his death. So during his time writing the Discworld series, he managed to publish 41 books. Some of those do include some of the young adult book series, which he wrote with other people, as well as some companion books. But overall, the story has quite a long life. I love the Discworld series. I actually was first introduced to it back in college. Several of my friends and I have this thing called a bad movie night where we watch movies that look like they're probably going to be bad or not the best or something like that. And during one of our many trips to the store, because Blockbuster existed back when I was in college. Yes, I'm that old. No, I don't want to talk about it because I miss Blockbuster. But Back then, they would do this thing where, you know, they have the movie sales and things like that. And Hogfather happens to be one of the book series, or excuse me, one of the movies that I picked up one time when I was at the store. Now, looking back on it, even then, I didn't think the story sounded that bad. I thought, okay, this is probably like a B-quality movie. I'm going to enjoy it. The story sounds interesting, but it's not going to be like a high-end movie. Well, it turned out it was made by the BBC. And like so many things that the BBC puts out, it was amazing. So that got me hooked and really interested in the book series. And then I went back and read some of the books themselves and loved them. I will say the book series is very, very high on British sense of humor. Terry Pratchett was a British author born in England. So his sense of humor is very much that. Now, if you don't like British humor, or if you don't like the really dry, sort of insulting, tongue-in-cheek type of humor that he writes with, then this may not be the book series for you. But I've always really enjoyed it. It's a fantasy book series, so there is magic, there's dragons and dwarves and elves and things like that. Uh, There's werewolves and vampires and, you know, all these kinds of things. So if you like those sort of things in a book, that's another plus. Like I did with the Xanth series, I'm going to try really hard to give you guys a good feel for what the book series is like, but without giving away a bunch of spoilers, because in my opinion, there's nothing worse than having someone recommend a book to you and then tell you everything that happens in the book. Because at that point, why do I even need to go read the book? What's the point? You just told me everything, including the plot twist. So that's just no fun. So to really give you a feel for sort of the type of humor and things and just sort of the phrasing and the wording that gets used in Terry Pratchett's novels, I'm going to start off by actually reading the opening lines of the Hogfather movie. 
the opening scene, and it's the very opening scene, so I don't feel like this gives away a whole lot. You see the world of Discworld sailing through space. And yes, sailing, swimming, whatever term you want to use for it, Discworld moves through space. And here's why. This is, again, the narrator's opening lines from the Hogfather movie. should probably preface, the Hogfather is basically their version of Santa. And then their Christmas is called Hog's Watch. And Hog's Watch Day, which is the day after, is the beginning of their new year. So similar type holidays, but they just kind of glomped it all together. And he does that a lot, where he takes something that is easily recognizable to you and to me from our world, but he just sort of tweaks it and twists it and turns it into something that fits into the slightly off-kilter world that is Discworld. So, the narration. Everything starts somewhere. Although many physicists disagree, there is the constant desire to find out where. Where is the point where it all began? But much, much later than that, the Discworld was formed. Drifting onwards through space atop four elephants on the shell of a giant turtle, the Great Autoon, it was sometime after its creation when most people forgot that the very oldest stories of the beginning are, sooner or later, about blood. At least that's one theory. The philosopher Didactylos suggested an alternative hypothesis. Things just happen. What the hell? And so our story begins in Ankh Morpork, the twin city of proud Ankh and pestilent Morpork, the biggest city in Discworld, a city where magic is just another job and where the tower of art of the unseen university for wizards looms over all the dark, narrow streets. Our story begins on a midwinter festival bearing a remarkable similarity to your Christmas. And so, it was the night before Hog's Watch. So those are the opening lines to the Hogfather movie, and it gives you kind of a feel for what the story might be like and the kind of humor that's going to be involved in it. I mean, the fact that they have a philosopher whose hypothesis about what happens in the world and his theory on it is literally just, things just happen, what the hell? I mean, that right there tells you a whole lot about the kind of irreverent, very satirical attitude that's going to be throughout the books. Again, if this kind of humor is not something you enjoy, if it's not something that you like and want to read, then this may not be the right book series for you. So I mentioned earlier that my first introduction to the Discworld books was actually through a movie called The Hogfather. Not surprisingly, I'm a big fan of this movie. I like to rewatch it periodically. I love it. The other movies that they made, and there's a couple different ones, but the one that I've seen, it's actually um, a two-parter, which The Hogfather kind of is too. There's two parts to the movie. It's more of a mini-series, you know, BBC, they like to do mini-series. But the ones that I've seen other than The Hogfather are called The Color of Magic, which is actually the very first book in the series, and then The Light Fantastic, which is the second book in the series. These two books are not really necessary to understand the rest of the books. One of the things I like about the Discworld series, which is actually similar to the Xanth series that I talked about before, is that each book is a standalone book. He does the same thing where 
the old characters from previous books come back. So you get to see recurring characters, you get to find out what's happening with them. But you don't actually have to read the previous books in order to follow along with what's happening in the particular book you're reading. Each one is still a unique story. And I like that because, you know, personally at least, I know there have been times where I misread my notes or I misunderstood what order the books were supposed to go in. And then I ended up reading books out of order and just really confused because wait, weren't they just in place X and now they're in place Y? And how did they get from one to the other? I must have missed a book. You know, things like that where you just find yourself extremely confused and you don't know what's happening. And that doesn't really happen in Discworld because even though the events are chronological, things do continue to happen. They don't have to be read in order to figure out what's going on because if there is something major from a previous book that you have to know about it gets addressed it doesn't always get addressed in the same level of detail as the book that came before it but you still get to hear about it so it's less confusing but anyway the other movie the color magic and the light fantastic they are technically two books and two movies but they were filmed more like a miniseries also all starring the same actors the two actors that most people I think would recognize from that movie are Sean Astin, who played Sam Ga Samwise Gamgee. I can't talk today, sorry. He played Samwise Gamgee in the LOTR movies. So if you like Sean Astin, he's in the movies. And then the other actor that I think a lot of people would recognize is Tim Curry, who I love. I love Tim Curry. He's also in the movies as one of the wizards. One of the sort of devious evil wizards, which he did so well, but he was a wizard. So the story of those two movies or the two books follows a couple of main characters, one of whom is Rincewind, a wizard not played by Tim, Cur Tim Curry, who has problems. He's not the best wizard. He's messed up a lot. And he's just sort of coasting to try to keep himself in school because he doesn't want to get kicked out. So he's going to very extreme lengths to make sure that he doesn't fail or pass out of school. He just wants to coast and stay where he's at, which is weird because a lot of the wizards are described as being very ambitious and wanting to get to the top and all that stuff. But he doesn't. He just wants to coast. And saying that doesn't really give away a lot of the story, so I don't feel bad about going into that. Like with the Xanth series, though, I am going to try to be really careful not to give you guys any big spoilers because... If you decide to go back and read these books, I don't want to ruin any of the mystique and the mystery and what's going to happen. I don't want to ruin any of that for you. So I'm going to really try hard not to. It can be tricky, but I'm going to try. So Rincewind, through a series of different events, ends up deciding to leave Ankh-Morpork, which is the main city in the Discworld, the biggest city in Discworld. He decides to leave Ankh-Morpork and head out to seek out a way to escape and a whole bunch of stuff. Can't give too much away without telling you what happens, but he's on the run. During his leaving, he actually runs into a tourist named Two Flower, and that's who is played by Sean Astin. And they travel the world, they meet other people, there's a bunch of adventures. It's a lot of craziness throughout the two books and a lot of ups and downs and all sorts of weirdness. Lots of tongue-in-cheek humor, very, very British humor, which... I mentioned already so again if you don't like British humor if you've never enjoyed things like Monty Python or Black Adder with Rowan Atkinson then 
it's very possible that this book series is not going to be for you. I will say that it seems to be fairly universally well received considering it's been translated into like 37 different languages, millions and millions of copies of these books sold all over the world. So I think most people will probably find something about it they enjoy. But if you really don't like British humor, don't you, you may not want to pick these up. They just may not be for you because it is a very British type of humor, which again, I love because I grew up with it, but not everybody did. I know not everybody likes it as much as I do. So to give you an idea of how there could be a tourist in the biggest city and all that kind of stuff, Two Flower, played by Sean Astin, comes from what is referred to as the counterweight continent. So it was described a little bit in that little narration piece I read off, but the basic makeup of Discworld is that the main continent, the main portion of the world is literally a flat disc. Now there are some mountains and stuff on it, but basically in Discworld, the world is actually flat. It's a big flat disc and it's a very round flat disc and water just kind of pours off the edges in the rimfall. And what happens is there's a second continent, which is smaller, but almost as heavy as the main continent. And they call it the counterweight continent. The large disc sits on top of the back of four giant elephants. And those four giant elephants are in turn standing on the back of a gigantic turtle. So literally it's a giant turtle swimming through space with four slightly smaller elephants standing on its back and on top of the elephants is a disc. Uh, the counterweight continent hangs down off the bottom of the main continent, sort of in between all of the elephants. And it's supposed to have been in mythology made completely of gold. Now, obviously that's the mythos of Discworld, but in reality, even people in Discworld will tell you it's not made of gold. Gold is just really easy to find there. And they describe the people from the counterweight continent as being people from the Orient or Orient people. Not Orient, but Orient. A-U-R-I-E-N-T. For anyone out there like me who's done a lot of science classes, you may know that A-U is the periodic symbol for gold. So basically, it's referring to the fact that these people live on a continent that's known for having a lot of gold. So they're called Orient in some terminology. He does a lot of things like that where it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little bit not poking fun at something, but just sort of gliding along next to it in a joking manner. And if those are things you like, if you find things like that entertaining, then this is a great book series for you. If you don't, uh, maybe not so much. But um, there's things like that that I really like in the book series. Just little little snippets like that where if you understand where he got it from, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, Orient, I get it. Gold people, I get it. That's funny. But not everyone finds it as amusing as me. Probably. I don't know. I liked it, but I've mentioned before, I really like words and where words come from and definitions. So for me, seeing that, I was like, oh, AU, gold, I get it. But that was me. So that gives you just a little bit of a feel for some of the things that exist in Discworld. 
Again, I can't say too much because I don't want to ruin it for anybody. I will say that there's a lot of fun characters and a lot of craziness. And even the main city, Ankh-Morpork, is very, very different. Ankh-Morpork, so Ankh is supposed to be sort of the fancier area. And then Morpork is all of the rest of it that just sort of sprouted up around it. And the river that goes through the city, the River Ankh, at one point it's described as being so polluted and disgusting and full of just nastiness that a dead body doesn't sink in it. It just floats for like a week before finally getting sucked up into the rest of the sludge. Things like that. So, I mean, there are some descriptors like that where, you know, this book series may not be good for really young children. I would say if your kid can handle a PG-13 movie and you're comfortable with them watching it, then chances are pretty good that you'd be okay with the book series. If you think it sounds interesting, but you aren't 100% sure if you would want your kids reading it, even though they might think it sounds interesting also, one thing you could look into is he did do a series of books in the same world, but they're a young adult book series. So they're probably a little more age appropriate. I was one of those weird kids who picked up adult books and started reading through them all when she was like 10. But that was me. I had, you know, my reading was very quick and I just picked it up quickly and my parents knew I could handle it. So at 10, I was reading, you know, all sorts of different adult books. My mom's mystery novels, some of her romance novels, mostly her mystery novels, because at 10, the other stuff wasn't as interesting. But if you think your kid might enjoy these kind of books, you could check out the Young Adult series first. I will say that the first book in the Young Adult series is one I haven't read, but it was very well received overall. It is called The Amazing Maurice and His Educated Rodents. And it's a children's, it's specifically geared towards children and young adults. But basically what he did is um, sort of do his own take on the G German fairy tale about the Pied Piper. So it's a little bit of a parody of folk tales in general and the folk tale genre, as well as that particular folk tale. And one thing, again, that I do like is they're all standalone. So even if you never read any of the other Discworld books, or even if you don't want your children to, they can read the children versions, the children YA Discworld books, and still understand what's happening. They don't have to have read any of the others to follow along, which is cool. So with that, I'm going to go into our break, and then when I come back, I'll tell you some more about some of my favorite parts of the Discworld series, some of my favorite characters, and try to give you a little more insight into the feel of the book so that you can see if it's something that you would enjoy reading. Okay, so especially since we're talking about books and creative worlds and all sorts of craziness and how thought out this all is, I want to bring up world anvil they're one of the nerdsmith sponsors and it's a fantastic site if you are trying to create a world for a book if you're a dm trying to create a world and you just want to make it more immersive and put all of the lore you've thought up somewhere and have it well organized for your players things like that then this is a fantastic resource it's worldanvil.com you gotta go check it out i highly recommend it cannot talk about them enough in the positive it's an easy-to-use interface, and the guy who created the site is already adding more stuff to make it even more useful and more amazing, and it's fantastic. I definitely recommend you check it out. Again, that's worldanvil.com. The 
other thing I want to talk about, it's actually another website today, it's called artlist.io. The music that I use for my intro and everything here on Geek Thyself, as well as quite a bit of the music that's used by some of the other creators for Nerdsmith, comes from artlist.io. It's royalty-free. You pay a once-yearly fee or a once-a-month fee or a one-time fee to buy the rights to use a song. So it's a good resource for anyone who's trying to create a podcast or do a video or something like that and wants music they can use without having to worry about the copyright. You can sign up for a year's worth subscription and get two months free if you use the special Nerdsmith discount link, which is bit.ly slash nerdsongs. That's nerdsongs with an S on the end. I definitely recommend you check that out if it sounds like something that you would be able to use or need for any of your creative endeavors. Especially because if you do go through the Nerdsmith link, you actually get two free months. And with that, let's get back to this week's topic. Okay, so going back to this week's topic of Discworld. So my two favorite characters, and I'm a little biased because they're also my very first introduction to Discworld, but my two favorite characters are Susan, the granddaughter of Death, and Death. I just, I love those two characters. Again, they're two of the first main characters I was introduced to, so I think that might be a portion of the reason. But I love Susan. In the movie The Hogfather, she's one of the main characters, or if, if not the main character. And she's played by Michelle Dockery, who was the oldest sister in Downton Abbey. So if anyone has watched Downton Abbey and loved her as much as I did in that, then if you like her as an actress, you would probably really like The Hogfather because she's the main character and she does a fantastic job. Susan is an interesting case because her mother was adopted by Death as a child and her father was Death's apprentice at one point. That's a tiny, tiny bit spoilery, but not really because you hear about it in a whole bunch of different books. And so she has some unique abilities and a unique take on the world. Very just sort of sardonic and very like, yes, the world is this way. Yes, I'm going to deal with it. I just want to have a normal life. Leave me alone. You know, things like that. And I love the character of Death also. In the Discworld books, a lot of different supernatural beings, sort of, so like gods and goddesses and things like that, actually semi-physically exist because people believe in them. And I don't want to give away too much because it could spoil something that happens in the Hogfather movie and in the book, but essentially that belief creates them. And so death is the anthropomorphic vision of the life force of death, the, the situation that is death. And he loves people. He loves life. He loves people. He loves watching everybody. He's got a very dry sense of humor, but he doesn't really understand society very well since, you know, for obvious reasons, people don't invite him in for stuff too often. So he's really fun. And then I also just love... I love the way that Terry Pratchett did his voice for the books, the way he wrote his voice. And I also love the way that he made him relatable, even though it's this, you know, quote unquote, awful thing of death. So his voice in the books, what he does is whenever death speaks, Terry Pratchett typed it in all capitals. 
So it's a very distinctive, like, he has a voice and it's got this resonance to it that people see. And you can physically see it in the books when he writes it. And then in terms of making death more relatable, you know, he did things like, there's that old saying, death rides in on a pale horse. Well, in Discworld, death rides in on a white horse named Binky. Yes, you heard me right. Death's pale horse is named Binky. So it's things like that where it just little tweaks and things on the stereotypes and on the old mythos that I find really entertaining and funny and amusing. If it's not your cup of tea, then maybe this book series isn't for you, but I really like it. It's a very popular book series, and for anyone out there who is a big Discworld fan such as me, I definitely recommend checking out this book, Turtle Recall, and that's turtle like the great turtle recall. It's a Discworld companion and it has an A to Z listing index of like all the different characters, all the different places, all the way from the very first book up to the book Snuff, which is one of the many books in the series. Um, to give you an idea of some of the interesting things and sort of the type of humor that's in the book, uh, lobsters. Lobsters are the university porters who double with rather more enthusiasm as its private police or proctors. They command their nickname for being thick-shelled, liable to turn red when hot, and having the smallest brain for their size of any known creature. Things like that. It's very tongue-in-cheek, very funny. Um, let us see what else I can find. I probably should have picked some out, but... There's so many, I didn't know where to start. Melius and Gretelina, the disc's greatest lovers, whose pure, passionate, and soul-searing affair would have scorched the pages of history had they not been born 200 years apart on different continents. Things like that, where he's just, he's not poking fun, but like I said, just kind of brushing along, parodying, I can't talk, making a parody, that makes more sense of some things that you and I would know from our world. Uh, let's see if I can find another good one. Um, <laughs> there are so many. Um, okay. Potent Voyager, a vessel constructed by Dactylos to take two cello knots out over the rim, so the edge of the world, to determine the sex of the great Atun, which is the giant turtle. A huge bronze spaceship without any motive power other than the ability to drop. So they created a spaceship that was just going to fall off the edge of the world, and that was it. Things like that. I, I, that was me shutting the book. Sorry if that was loud. Personally, these are the sort of things that I just, I love this book series. Those little tongue-in-cheek jokes, the very, the satiricalness of it, the very dry British sense of humor. It's just, I love that. So... If that's your thing, then I definitely recommend checking out the book series. Again, the very first book, if you want to start from the beginning, is called The Color of Magic. The second book is The Light Fantastic. And honestly, of all the books in the series, those are probably the only two that I would really, really say I recommend you have, not have to, but I recommend you read them one right after the other. The reason is because... It's one of the few times where the storyline of the second book directly follows the story of the first book. 
usually things jump around a little more and one minute you're learning about things that are actually happening in Ankh-Morpork and then the next book will be in a different part of the world and you're learning about something different. But in this particular instant, those first two books, he did keep them very closely linked. So if you want to keep up with that information, then starting off with those two, one right after the other would probably be a good idea. For any of my fellow Discworld fans out there, I would like to also share some information with you about other products that have to do with Discworld that I think you'd enjoy. Turtle Recall is one. I think it's fantastic. I mean, I just read a couple snippets out of there, but there's so many more. It also teaches you how to play Cripple Mr. Onion, which for anyone who hasn't read the books, Cripple Mr. Onion is a card game that is constantly referenced in the books because it's a game that a lot of people and a lot of different characters play in Ankh-Morpork. It's one of the big card games there. It's sort of a combination of poker meets blackjack with, you know, some other things going on. And the book actually has rules. They actually sat down and figured out rules how to play the game. And you can do it with a regular deck of playing cards. So if anyone wants to try that, it's in the back of the book. I recommend checking it out. I haven't tried it yet because it looks really complicated, but I plan to at some point. There's also a Discworld board game, which I think also shows how popular this book series is that someone made a board game of the world based off the world. It's called Discworld Ankh-Morpork, and it is set in Ankh-Morpork, the main city. And what you do, it's a little bit of a worker placement board game, so everyone has a role. They're playing one of the characters from the book. You can play the captain, you can play Lord Veterinari, who rules everything, that sort of thing. And everyone has a different goal in mind, depending on who you're playing, and you're trying to keep the city balanced, along with the other players, but then also you're trying to win with whatever your win condition is. So it's a lot of fun. I definitely enjoy the game. And even if you don't know the Discworld series, if you're an avid board game lover like myself, you may still like the game. It reminds me a lot of Lords of Waterdeep in terms of its playability for people who don't know the setting. And it's just, I find it really interesting. You play cards that can either give you benefits or do detriments to other people, you're trying to reach an end goal that nobody else knows. Although if you play the game enough, you can start to kind of figure out who is doing what. Ooh, sorry about that. The neighbor's dog decided to bark really loudly. I would normally record over it, but honestly, this is my second go through of this episode because my program decided to eat all of the audio on my first recording. So you guys may be able to hear it in my voice, but I don't think my voice could take another record. So I'm just going to leave it. But I hope you enjoyed this. I hope this gave you kind of an idea of what Discworld is like, at least enough of an idea if you haven't already read the series to help you decide whether or not you might want to go check it out. Again, sorry I didn't go into too many details, but I really don't want to spoil anything for any of you who haven't read the book series and want to go read it because that would just be no fun. I don't, I don't like giving people spoilers. Now, if someone wants to know the ending or wants to know the plot line that's a whole different story and I will tell them but I don't want to ruin it for those people who actually want to discover it on their own so if you think you might be interested but you really aren't sure I would recommend checking out the movies first especially if you're like me and like things chronologically you could start with the very first movies so you could start with the Color of Magic and The Light Fantastic, which have Sean Astin and Tim Curry. 
that's a good place to start. And I think they give you a really good feel for what the book series is like. They did a good job of not cutting out anything that was important, which I really appreciate. Because sometimes book adaptations don't, you know how it is, the movies don't always cover everything that you necessarily think should be included. And I feel like Sky One and everyone else who put the Hogfather movie together did a really good job of leaving in the parts that I think you need in order to get a good feel for the story. As well as they also did the other one that I was talking about, The Color of Magic and The Light Fantastic. And again, they did a great job there. So I recommend checking those out. You can find them all on Amazon. And with that, I'm going to call this week's episode good. I do have my topic picked out for next week. It was chosen actually by one of our Nerdsmith subscribers. I'm not going to give the topic away yet, but I do think you guys will find it interesting. Please remember to check out the other wonderful podcasts and productions here at nerdsmith.org. I'll be back next week with a new and interesting topic. And until then, don't forget to geek thyself. Crosswords with Will Crossway. Advice and analysis for the musician at the gaming table. Available on nerdsmith.org or wherever you watch your YouTube videos. YouTube, right? Probably YouTube. So you already love D&D, obviously, but you want to sharpen your skills as a DM or player, right? Enter Dear DM, a Dungeons & Dragons advice podcast where I sit down with your favorite dungeon masters and answer D&D questions asked by you. Natural 20 is nudist. Um... <laughs> a plucked kanku. Uh, charisma. Dump sack charisma. Really? <laughs> Great questions in the community today. Some really fun bits to, to talk on and expand on. So Episodes release every other Tuesday and are available at nerdsmith.org or wherever you get your podcasts.